Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great episode to help you up your game and improve your capabilities and achieve more success in the world of talent development. That is what this show is all about. This is episode 357, and we are talking today all about how to create a culture of meaningful work with my friend, Mr. Tim O'Leary. And this episode is also a preview of the session that Tim is going to be running at the Talent Development Think Tank Conference, which is coming up on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I am so excited about this. Several of you have reached out. Many people have bought tickets. We've got some great sponsors and speakers booked in, and Tim will be leading a breakout session on creating a culture of meaningful work. And you're gonna get a preview of that today. And don't worry, this is gonna be packed full of plenty of value, whether you are attending the conference or not. Tim O'Leary, who is known as Mr. Meaningful Work, currently serves as the Director of Leadership Resident and Internship Programs at Adventist Health, where he runs a popular program teaching people how to find meaningful work in their careers. He's also created energetic, meaningful work content and tools that help HR and people leaders develop teams that are inspired to stay, as in be retained, as in stay with an organization and not leave. He's also the host of the Mr. Meaningful Work Retain podcast, on which I have been a guest And he delivers keynotes for various groups across the country on this idea of developing and retaining your people by giving them the tools to do more meaningful work. Tim has told me that he also has mugs to show that he is the best dad ever and best husband ever as well. And in my research, I was not able to find any way to confirm or dispute that. So we'll just have to take him on his word. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Mr. Tim O'Leary on creating a culture of meaningful work. All right, I'm joined now by Tim O'Leary, Mr. Meaningful Work. Tim, welcome to the show. 
What's up, Andy? I'm so happy to be on this hot seat. I appreciate it. I'm excited to have you here too. We had such a great time when you had me on your show, Mr. Meaningful Work Retain. Yeah. I think we did some dancing. We listened to some music. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. We get some hot takes on like the latest news on our Twitter yeah. feed. Yeah. And it's kind of funny now. I wasn't even planning on this, but you and I are recording this in early November. And if you yeah. like for a while, I wasn't on Twitter that much. And then lately I've been on there because it's just been absolute like <laughs> craziness with Elon Musk taking it over. Yeah. And he's tweeting like 250 times a day. Yo, he just laid, yeah. announced, you know, layoffs for several, I think, thousand people at Twitter. Yeah, like half of the half of the staff. Yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, really interesting times. And so, hot take from you, you know, you you study culture and meaningful work. Like, what does this mean for an organization like Twitter? Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen, and for yeah. the people who are staying versus the ones who are leaving yeah no i i think it is you know in situations like that where it it, it requires a lot of intentional you know compassion mm. when thousands of folks are going to be left without a job a means of livelihood especially in that like in the tech field where the job secondly pay a lot higher a lot of the folks are living in these high cost of living areas and so it's going to have a major impact and so what it seems like we're seeing is for a long time, the organization seems to have been bloated from an expense standpoint. And so from a business standpoint, you're coming in, it's like, hey, let's just kind of cut Making those changes, right? He, the reason he bought changes. it because he thought the company needed to have a lot of changes to be made. Right? That's that's what has to be done. But yeah. but how do you do that in a compassionate you know, manner? What was the culture of communication? What was the culture of transparency? Yeah. Is it something that a lot of times, if you're going to do something like that, there's early communication there. So mm -hmm. folks aren't necessarily surprised. I think folks get, you know, jarred out of place when it just comes as a, as an email or yep. as an all hands meeting, or a tweet. all of a sudden we're meeting or a tweet, yeah. <laughs> you know, that your stuff is going to be deactivated by 5 p.m. today. Yeah. And there's news reports of people just being locked out of their stuff all of a sudden. That's and it. and yeah. like, that's yeah. it. Right. And and obviously, yeah. like, we're not on the inside. I don't I don't really yeah. know anybody who is there. I'm just reading news reports. But it's really a kind of a, a crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about culture, you know, culture is the sum of all of your you know thoughts and behaviors and actions of the organization. So like, what is the trend in how we think, how we behave, what we talk about in the organization? And if that was different from the trend. Like if they were used to constant communication or being in the loop or having some yeah. ownership you right. know, of that thing, then this can be very counter, you know, very countercultural. Or yeah. again, we don't know, maybe this was a trend, right? Things just kind of happened suddenly and everybody's always kind of on the edge and being caught mm -hmm. by surprise. Maybe it's the nature of, you know, the tech industry, but either way, it's, it's, it's not a great situation. And, and there's a lot of opportunity again for that, compassion and 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 um and just connecting with folks it's all about the yeah. connections at the end of the day which is i think what twitter is supposed to be doing is connecting folks but connecting people right yeah. <laughs> and, and what i what i think about too you know since we're talking about culture is that you know certainly a lot of the news is about the people who lost their jobs and who are out yeah. looking for new things and the way yeah. they felt like they were treated and yeah. the surprise and all of that yeah. for the people that still remain some mm. 3000 employees, yeah. whatever it may be. I haven't been in this situation. I don't know if you have where you've been 
part of a layoff. What I understand, a lot of people sometimes experience what they call survivor's guilt, right? Oh, Where man. like, I'm still here and a lot of my friends got let go and I feel guilty about it. Not to mention many might be upset in the way it was conducted yeah. and therefore they might lose confidence or faith in you know, the organization, the way things are run, like this can have a yeah. big impact on the culture and results. Dude, I, I love that you touched on that because oftentimes you're right. Folks, folks on the folks that folks focus on the folks that left mm-hmm. and neglect the folks that are still behind. The workload doesn't necessarily change, but mm-hmm. the workforce has reduced. And so there's more work, more expectation, lower costs, you know, constricted in those areas. I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on folks. I had the exact same situation. You know, in my in my work, we uh, went through some some organizational changes, and my entire team was 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 let go, and I let I was left with my with my mm. team, and it was it was weird. It was kind of like you feel happy but sad and guilty. Like, should I? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I should feel excited, but there's yeah. also that fear because the level of work that has to be done the body of knowledge that is now gone yeah. with that team that yeah. you either have to recreate and things like that so it's 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 a lot and you need energy for that you know a yeah. lot of the work that we do in meaningful work and strength and all those things is you know how do you maximize your energies how do you do things that come naturally to you if you're going to be expending a lot of it in dealing with these situations doing double workload or creating new processes or trying to foster new connections or dealing with those perspectives of, of the organization for folks at state. So how do you manage energies in that way? How do you leverage your strengths in that way? It's very important for the folks that are still left in the organization are expected yeah. to perform at either the same or higher levels uh, moving forward. So yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a challenge for a lot of people yeah. for sure. And certainly like as you and I recorded this again, early November, Many say we're in a recession. A lot of other companies have been pulling back. It's going to be an interesting time for a lot of people. And I hope that in the work you and I both do, we can put out you know content and guidance that can help people. But let's transition, Tim. The reason I invited you on the podcast, well, there's two reasons. One, I think you're just amazing. You're an awesome guy. And I've been wanting to have you on the podcast anyway. I'm blushing. You can't see it, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> you actually... <laughs> <laughs> now I'm blushing too. I think after you and I, you and I connected on LinkedIn, I don't know what it was that we, one of those, like we hit it off right away. And I think I texted you something one day and, yeah. and you said, you can't tell, but yeah. you're making a black man blush over here. I don't exactly. know what you said. And I was like, <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. this guy's my it's friend. This is good. This is good. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So, you know, a couple of reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast. Number one, as I said, like you are clearly doing some awesome things in the space and wanting to have you on anyway. And the second reason is because you are going to be leading a session at the upcoming Talent Development Think Tank Conference in February. That's right. February 22nd, 23rd in Sonoma, California, all about culture. And so I wanted to have you on to talk about the work you're doing and also give people a little bit of a preview of what yeah. that session is going to look like. Oh man, it is going to be. And I love the way that you have it um, structured where it's really focused on energy and interaction. I think that's, it's right in line with how I like to present, how I like to engage with folks. So the idea is, so I've been on this meaningful work journey for the last couple of years and talking with a lot of different folks on a previous podcast that I had, um, which recently transitioned to the Retain podcast that you and I talked about. But the whole mm-hmm. idea was, 
how do I discover and make meaningful work real? Like, how do we create, you know, some practicality with this very kind of nebulous concept of meaningful work? And so talked to 50 different leaders across a bunch of different um, industries, did some research myself, and we came up with these pillars that inform how folks experience meaningful work. We call Mm. that the four P's of meaningful work. Very high level, but um, seem to have some commonality but as we got into kind of 20, so that was in 2020, as we got into 2021 and this year, we saw this issue of high turnover, right? Yeah. This great resignation. Folks were just moving out in droves voluntarily. We're not even talking about this Twitter stuff where it's involuntary and folks. Yeah, the are great resignation, in. great reshuffle, exactly. whatever you want to call it. A lot of people exactly. just leaving. Folks are just leaving. And so we wanted to take that framework of the four P's of meaningful work and activate it toward this issue. So in organization, how do we keep our people, right? What are the what is the environment with the principles of meaningful work that keep our people? So we created this keeper, K-E-E-P-R, this mm. keeper framework for igniting commitment and success where folks are inspired to stay. Um, targeted at HR leaders, really much, you know, leaders in general to be able to curate that keeper culture, right? So yeah. kind of our mantra is I'm a keeper. So as an organization, I'm a mm. keeper, like I want to keep you. And as an employee or as you know, someone on the staff, that you're a keeper. You're somebody that I want yeah. to keep. So I'm a keeper, you're a keeper is, is that framework. So we'll walk through the five steps, which is K, know yourself, E, engage, the other E, enlist, P, prioritize, and R, rank up. And what does that look like in creating environments where folks are inspired to stay? So it's going to be highly interactive. It's going to have a lot of participant-led um, discussion and conversation, but folks will be able to walk away with a very easy-to-use framework. And it's not new information, but putting it together in this way is what we're hoping will help folks create those culture where folks are, are just yeah. excited to be create where they're a, at. Create a better culture where they can yeah. retain, keep a, a lot more of yeah. their, their best people. I'm excited to see that and I want to dive into a little bit more of your framework, but I thought it'd yeah. also be helpful to to go back and hear a little bit about your background. How did you get into the talent development field and this space yeah. leading up to the work you're doing on culture and meaningful work? Yeah. So the work that I do, my my primary job is in talent development at Adventist Health. So I work for a healthcare system out here in California, Oregon, and Hawaii. And my role is to help build a pipeline of future health executives. So we work with different universities when graduates come out of school, whether it's their undergrad or postgrad, we put them in this two-year leadership development program with the hopes that after they come out, they're able to transition into roles of higher responsibility, broaden scope, and fill these executive roles. So we don't have to keep recruiting externally for CEOs and CFOs and, and on all these things. And so that set within the talent development organization. Like how do we create systems and processes for our staff, for our leaders to be able to hone in on their strengths and develop them over time and have really focused attention on that. Very similar to the concept that you talk about in owning your career, right? How do you take personal responsibility, but also how does the organization create the policies, the infrastructure, the practices that enable those things to happen. So I started in HR as a leadership resident myself, went through the program, gave some feedback to to update the program. And when our corporate office decided that, hey, this is something we want to do system-wide, I was called upon to uh, to come and lead that. 
And it's just been good to see how we have it in different areas from executive leadership to director level leadership to staff line leadership to pipeline programs, just really permeating through the entire organization of building and developing talent um, to higher performance. So, so wait a minute, you worked in HR, you went through this program and then you gave them some feedback and then they were like, well, if you have all these ideas, why don't you just come run it? (laughs) You think you're so great, why don't you come do this? (laughs) One of my projects as an HR leadership, one of my projects as an HR leadership president was to actually redesign the program. Because at that time it existed in a, it wasn't as consistent as it could be, you know, different divisions or hospitals had it. And so I was like, hey, let's, let's, let's do something that standardized it and submitted that up. And then as they were looking at, yeah, starting it up again, I'd done the work and say, hey, come in. We speak up and we share ideas <laughs> and you never know where that might lead. I just posted on LinkedIn yeah. yesterday about this. And if you don't share your goals with anybody, you know, then nobody can ever help you. Right. You got to when... articulate them. Yeah. Folks right. like this whole, you know, modesty, like I'm all for modesty, but you have to talk about what you're good at, what you're trying to get to. And yeah. the more you articulate it, you put it out. I don't know, you know, energies in the universe like when you say things out loud and you manifest these things things come together people come together to to make that happen so talk about your goals talk about where you want to go visions that you have about particular products processes services relationships speak about and let folks understand and it'll happen and share ideas and value like you did i think i've talked about this in the past one of my best friends Last year, he reached out to a CEO or an executive at a startup and just said, hey, I want to share some ideas. I've been looking at your company and you might want to do this, this, this. And they were like, hey, tell me more about your background. And then they made him a job offer. He wasn't even going there for a job. And and now yeah. he works there at this, uh, this like unicorn startup that wasn't on love his it. sort of roadmap, but he just was yeah. trying to provide value. And they're like, we love this. Why don't you come work yeah. here? And that that's exactly. I love when stuff like that happens. Yeah, that spirit of adding value, that spirit of helping is is what has has people going far when i recruit i'm talking to the students and i'm telling them about building their brand part of it is you know you figure out what your perspective is on something but add value to others based on Mm. that right you teach somebody something or if you saw an article somewhere and you know made you think about a particular like send that out just be in the spirit of helping and folks will respond to that in kind in kind so 100 percent so we, we talked a little about what you're doing, and I know you've studied culture and this idea of meaningful work quite a bit and creating environments where teams can discover and engage in more meaningful work. Where do you think most organizations fail in this area? Where, where are organizations really falling down and missing the opportunity to create a better culture or more meaningful work? So there is there was a startup book I used to read. I forget the name of it, but there is a there is a quote that stood out. That says for organizations to be successful, especially in the startup phase, is do things that don't scale. Do things that don't scale. Do the hard things that take a lot of intentionality, that take a lot of focus, because that's what's going to set you apart. And then at some point, if there's technology that can enable that to move to a greater, you know, but don't start off trying to scale, scale, scale and make everything build everything better. I say that to say, I think that's what a lot of organizations are trying to do when it comes to talent development and growth is like they're just trying to do things, you know, blanket approaches for everybody so they can do it at scale. Where what is really neat is what is really needed is individualized, personalized 
one-on-one -on -one understanding of what each person needs, right? And as a leader, you might think, man, that's going to, well, I'll never get anything done if I'm focusing on what every single person mm -hmm. needs. But as a leader, that's your job, right? All of the technical stuff, like all of the service and product stuff like that will come. But if you're not developing people, your job as a leader is to drive results through other people. And so that through other people part should be a lion's share of your focus. And so organizations need to have strategies that will allow them to understand the individual needs of their folks, focus on those, and that will help to drive the performance when folks not only feel valued, but they know how to not only create, but deliver value as well. And that's the role of the leader. And it's not something you can do in mass across the organization. So I think that's that's the challenge then and where some some organizations are slipping up a little bit. What can HR, you know, we think about people in HR and specifically learning and development, talent development, what role do they play? What can HR leaders and talent leaders do to help create a better culture, create more meaningful work? You know, I think the role of HR is very interesting because HR serves as when it's all working right the advocate for the employee or the associate, but also trying to minimize risk for the organization, right? So you have this balance where you want the employee to be successful and advocate for their needs. You also want to make sure that the organization um, is, is in a good spot. So I think one of the things that they can do is, you know, share how the development of the people, the investment in the people, the growth of their folks minimizes risk for the organization. Like, how do you tell that story to the leaders that you're kind of liaising between? In fact, as part of the Keeper program, we actually have talking points and a template because this is targeted towards HR leaders. How do you pitch this to your leaders? You go through it first. So all HR leaders or whoever's going to deploy this, they have to go through the Keeper program first so they can feel it really put it on and understand what other folks are going to going through and then be able to articulate in dollars and cents and strategy and tactics in the language that the leaders understand in risk that when we do this, it lowers the risk in this area. It gives us competitive advantage in this area while the pay, while the, the employee also feels enabled and advocated for. So it's, it's just telling that story both ways. I think where HR really yeah. fits in. I like this idea of HR going through it ahead of having other people going through it. So they have empathy and understanding yes. of what's going on. Yes. Too many times in my career, I feel like I've seen HR and talent development people create or set up programs and then say, well, it's for other people. It's not for me. Yeah. And they don't go yeah. through it themselves, yeah. right? They're too, yeah. quote, busy yeah. to go through the program. Yeah. And they don't get the development. They don't get yeah. the alignment or the understanding that some of the other people in the organization get. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it was it was it was foundational to how we were setting it up because we needed a, a door in, right? It was yes, it's for all leaders, but you can't you make a product for everybody. Like you have to have a specific group. And so HR having that very unique place, but them also being able to say the words, look at the development, you know, talk to folks and even be coaches, right? So as they're going through it, they know how to coach somebody on that because i think hr is now moving into that more of a consultative role versus just a transactional we're just dealing with benefits we're dealing with hiring and firing we're dealing with 
you know, compliance, like those are like the traditional HR business partner roles. Whereas now we're trying to move into more of a consultative strategic partnership where coaching and performance and like all those things are part of it. And so you can do that when you've also received that content and training for yourself as well. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk about this keeper model. I know you you kind of went through it very briefly earlier. Yeah. You talking about what the letters stand for. Let's go back to that. I want to dig into that a little bit to yeah. give people some insights and in how they might be able to to use this in their own organizations. Yeah, absolutely. So K-E-E-P-R. So K know yourself, know your strengths. So we pull a lot from the strengths framework from Clifton Strengths. And how do you, it starts with the foundation of knowing who you are, right? I can't go in any one direction if I don't know where I'm starting off at. Like, what are the things that energize me? What are the things that bring me joy? What are the things that come naturally? And one of the things that we touch on in that, in that K is knowing what the derailers are. So you might have a strength, but there might be something that derails the activation of that strength. So how do we become aware of those things. So first, you just have to know. And there's there's research from Gallup that shows that just by knowing your strengths, not even mm. doing anything with them, just knowing your strengths, folks that know their strengths are three times more likely to report a better quality of life, right? Just knowing it, three times more likely to say, my life is great just because I know my strengths. And so that's the case. So we'll go through activities and assessments on how do we know. Then you take it from knowing to engaging, right? So how do I engage my strengths? How do I craft the conversations to make sure that I am doing things that actually align you know, to those strengths? So that's how you engage. And there's activities around that piece as well. And then the research that shows, okay, so now we know what is the impact on retention? What is the impact on engagement? What is the impact on influence and mentorship when you are able to use your your strengths? What's the impact on both professional and personal well-being? We kind of live in this space where you have this balance of work-life, something that happens outside of the office and something that happens in the office. But we know now more than ever that those things are integrated, right? Mm -hmm. How you're doing at work is going to affect how you're at home. If you're having a bad time at home, it's going to affect your performance at work. So how does having a lion's share of the work that you're doing in an energizing space, that's the engage. And then the other E is enlist. Right. So it's, we can't do this by ourselves. Right. If you yeah. want to go fast, you do it by yourself. If you want to go far, we go together. You do it with others. So how do you enlist others to to help you? How do you build trust? We use the um, I think Harvard Business Review has this formula, the trust triangle um, and how you know what your strength, what your what what how you build trust and where your wobbles are and how you recognize it in other people and match and link those things so you have accountability moving forward. As an employee, you know this, so you can have a conversation with your peers. As a leader, you know this for your people, and it's kind of this um, uh, mutually beneficial re relationship. And then P, prioritize, right? How do we focus on that one thing? So yes, we might have multiple areas and multiple, you know, this idea of the plural form of priorities, mm. which was Introduce later in the English yeah. language. What are your priorities? Original. You got 10 yeah, priorities. Like, they're not really that, that, doesn't, that doesn't 
you don't have multiple first places, right? When you go to the Olympics, like you're not there to see, you know, oh, there's five first places in this particular event. No, there's right. one person that came right. first. That is a priority. Yeah. And so we talk about how do we prioritize so we can give our focus to that thing once we know, once we engage, once we've enlisted, we've prioritized. And then as we learn in um, the study of intrinsic motivation, you need to be able to level up pursue excellence, rank up to the next level. So you're not just kind of plateauing in that particular space. So how do you operate at the top of your license and in a particular area? So how do you find ways to rank up? And those things combined, if we create an environment where those things are focused on and turned in and churned out and, you know, you know in a systematic way, our, our goal is that that will create environments where folks are inspired to, to stick around. Yeah. I like this model and it it aligns nicely with, you know, the work I do and, and yeah. the model I teach in the own your career program. And I, I, I'm especially excited about that first one. Know yourself. It's yeah. the simplest thing. And yet I feel like most people just don't take much time to really get to know themselves and acknowledge what those strengths are. Right. We're also yeah. kind of trained to be so humble yeah. that we don't think we're good at anything, but yeah. like you've got to acknowledge those strengths so that you can leverage those strengths yeah. to yeah. achieve more in your career. Oh man. When I do a pre, when I do a, a similar presentation and I ask the group, what are your, you know, what are you famous for? It's a question I like to ask folks a lot. What are you famous for? What are That's your right. strengths? And it is, if I ask a flip of that, of, okay, what are some things that you're not good at? The answers that I'll I just get name everything. Are yeah. not good at. Right. Let me tell you so all the things. Exhaustive versus like, what are you good at? You'll get some speckles and answers and then it'll kind of start to trickle and folks will start answering, but not good at it. This and that and throw it. And I was like, man, the fact that we put so much focus on the things that we're not good at versus if we just shifted that energy to the areas that, you know, we thrive, it's, it can be, it's, it's a game changer. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is this is so important. And then you think about once you really acknowledge and get to know those strengths, you can start to engage those, as you said, and, and craft more conversations. What yeah. I think is interesting too is a game changer. I think it's really important for people to get to know themselves and their own strengths. But what about leaders recognizing the strengths of their people and pointing those oh. out and really leveraging those? It's a huge difference maker in a culture. Absolutely. That has been something that I have personally benefited from and why I stick around in the organization that I'm with is because I have had leaders that have recognized, like they know my strengths, they mm. recognize, you know, things that come naturally to me and, and put me in situations where I get to flex those strengths, where I get to use those and maximize because they know that you're going to get more bang for your buck becoming phenomenal in areas that you're really good at and trying to bring the weak areas up to phenolic. You're probably only going to get to a level of proficiency for the weak areas, but yeah. you're going to get, you know, 10x, you know, the performance for areas that you're really good in. So my leaders have been able to see that and say, hey, Tim, this is an opportunity that's coming up. You know, this is something that you're excited about. Let's put you in this situation. Let's put you in that situation. And I've, I've, I've been a major benefactor of that, um, but I've also seen it in other areas that this is the culture that yeah. the organization is trying to create where the leaders are recognizing the strengths of their people is something that I try to do for my leadership residents. Mm. Hey, what are the strengths that you have? And let's put you in situations where you can grow or customize the experience that you're in, in this program so yeah. that you can really thrive in this particular area. 
For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. Yeah, I've had leaders do that as well, and it just makes a huge difference. In fact, you know, we're, we're talking about you're leading a session at the Talent Development Think Tank Conference. One of our keynote speakers at the conference is Jessica Scone, who is the global CEO of BTS, a company where I used to work. Yeah. She was a leader there on the West Coast when I started working there several years ago. And she recognized some of my strengths and really helped set me up for future success. My whole career really pivoted and and got it went into a direction to get me where I am today because she recognized my strengths and created something for me years ago. I mentioned her in my book, I'll Be Forever Grateful. I talk about that too when I'm speaking to leaders because you don't realize as a leader, when you put your own interests aside, you focus on your people, you recognize their strengths and you do something to help them achieve more in their careers, they're going to remember you forever. And that is legacy right there. Oh man, that is that is huge. And I... You, the fact that you mentioned legacy and like the train of thought that I had was like, and this also translates into family, right? Mm -hmm. I'm really huge on, you know, how do I make sure that what I'm doing professionally, what I'm doing with my brand and all that stuff ties in with my family. You see my my three babies back here, Joshua and Jael, but that's something that I focus like, what are their strengths? There's actually a book that Clifton, uh, that Gallup put out, Strength-Based Parenting. When you identify the strengths of your kids and you're doing the same thing that you're doing at work or your leaders do for you at work and put them in situations where what comes naturally to them, what energizes them, where do they gravitate towards and put them in those situations, the confidence that that builds, the trust that that builds, them feeling valued as individuals, um, as a parent, I'm often trying to say, what is one thing I can do that everybody can do? Like we're all eating the same meal. We're all going to bed at the same time. We're all, we're, like, we're trying to do yep. for scale, yep. but they need to know that they are individually valued based yep. on the things that energize them. And so it translates into a family legacy as well. You know, I was thinking earlier, you were talking about priorities and yeah. really or prioritizing and knowing yeah. What is your top priority? What's the most important thing? And a business context is going to move you forward. But I also think about it in life as well. And sometimes the mismatches you see in people's, what they say and what they do, right? When people say, well, family is the most important thing to me. You look at their schedule and they're just like always traveling all the time, right? You look at their schedule, right? Like, are you spending time? Yeah, We all have obligations and demands we need to do, right? But no one wants to say, well, work is the most important thing to me. Yeah. Um, but I was also thinking too, as you pointed out the picture of your kids behind you is that, you know, I think we both would probably say family is, is very important to us, Yeah. but the only picture behind you is of your family. And the only pictures behind me are of me on a magazine cover and my book. There's no pictures of my kids behind me. So now, (laughs) 
I know I need to bring I need to bring them up I do have them all over my house yeah, in places yeah. I can see they're on my yeah. phone I promise yeah what we see, but I think the cool thing about you, Andy, I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you demonstrate it, right? On your content, you know, you're, yeah. you're talking about your kids, you're taking them yeah. places, the experiences yeah. that is there, you yeah. know, who you do it for, your personal journey, you know, health-wise yeah. and all that stuff and, you know, the part that they play. So I think that's, that demonstration yeah. is, is evident to shows like, yeah, he's out here, you know, traveling and talking about owning your life and career, but we see an action where where his priority lies so you, know, you got it man i appreciate that i like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just want to point out yeah i mean are, but are you living in alignment with those things right and I, i've talked yeah. about this before like boundaries like i have dinner with my family every night you know i don't schedule yeah. meetings after six and and all this yeah. sort of stuff so thinking about what is that top priority and and even from a work perspective i have found it incredibly helpful for me when I use a journal every day and think about, okay, what are the like most important one or two things that I need to get done? Yeah. They're going to keep moving me forward towards a goal or what yeah. are my goals and what are yeah. the things that are going to move me forward instead of just responding and reacting to everything that happens yes. throughout the day, which yeah. we all get trapped in this like reaction mode, right? Everything is yeah. urgent. There's always requests, email, social yeah. media notifications coming in all the time. Yeah. And I, I, I tend to think that one of the biggest things that separates successful, quote, successful people from those who achieve less success is their ability to prioritize their time mm -hmm. and to look at the things they're trying to achieve and say, I know all this other stuff is happening, but I'm going to spend time on working on this project or this yep. book or you know, yep. having one-on-one -on -one conversations with my employees, whatever it may be that is not urgent, but is one of the most important things. And I think that's, that's a big difference maker. That's, that's, that's huge. And part of the work that we've we've done in like the meaningful work uh, research was the place of ownership, the place mm -hmm. of, you know, in the four P's and the original kind of framework for, for meaningful work, the first P was permission, which talked about ownership, autonomy, um, and how that drives a sense of meaningfulness in the work that you're doing. What you just described is that it's ownership, being able to be the one that drives how your day is going to go how your week is going to go, how your life is going to go, because you set the terms versus you reacting to everything that's kind of being thrown your way and being bombarded. If you say, hey, I'm going to talk to four people on a podcast today and I am going to, you know, you know, whatever those things are, you drive that. And when those things are done, bam, you've owned the day, you've owned that, you've owned that goal. And anything that comes out as the rest of that, like that's all you know, that's all a bonus. And so hundred yep. percent that, that ownership and being able to drive that is, is key. You could feel more productive as a result. All right. So yeah. you talked about the keeper bottle and what people yeah. can use to create better culture, more meaningful work for themselves and for others. Yeah. Give us a little preview. You're going to be going through this at the think tank conference. Now, is this yeah. going to be just like a straight up lecture with a bunch of slides where you're teaching this keeper model in our breakout no. session or <laughs> no, no slides. It is going to be conversation. We will have assessments. We'll probably do it on paper yeah. by way of assessing where folks are from knowing themselves as we go through. Um, and we'll talk about that. We'll have folks share stories. We'll have a catchy little tune. I always like to make, I feel like for me, yeah. music makes things stick. Ooh, and okay. so <laughs> there's going to be a catchy little tune to help folks remember. I put a, a tune together for an impact 
uh, conversation um, or presentation that I had. And so we're going to do a version of that for Keeper. So there's going to be some singing, some chanting. There's going to be some storytelling. There's going to be some handwritten activities. I mean, it's just going to be the whole course. I'm looking at like, how much time do I see? Like 35 minutes for the, or however much time I have for the uh we might give you a little time, a little extra time. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, see. We'll, we'll 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 put it in there. But it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a lot of a uh, lot of interaction, a lot of fun, and folks be able to walk away. And one of the things that I love to do is to be able to set up follow up time. So there's mm. that thing that happened to that conference once yep. versus that thing that there's you know follow up and, and ongoing engagement. So yep. um, determining depending on folks' calendar and schedule, I would love to be able to connect with folks and just get the thoughts, get the feedback. If there's any additional way that I can help where they can connect further. And I'm sure you have it built in into TDTT. So how folks can further connect after the conference is, right. is a huge part of it for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this yeah. conference is, as you know, it's all about interactive experience, engaging experience, yeah. learning and connection. Connection is a yeah. big, big focus for this. Yeah. So with that in mind, you know a little bit about what we're putting together and of course you jumped right on board when I reached out to you. Why yeah. should people think about, well, forget about thinking about it. For people that are thinking about it, why should they come to the, to the Think Tank Conference? It is, community is huge. Community is so big and it is part of how we grow and how we develop. And one of the things that I love about what you've done, I mean, with the virtual meetups, the the first you know session that you have and the, the guests that you come, that you have come through, is just the power of learning through others. You hear other people's stories. Oftentimes we think that we're going through things by ourselves. Like it's an isolated situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm dealing with this thing with my employee or I'm dealing with this thing with my organization or I'm not getting to my goal as fast. Maybe there's something wrong with me. But then you hear somebody else's story and it's like, oh, yeah. then that shared experience, that shared connection does something like physiologically, psychologically, like physically to you to, to help you move in a progressive way. And so- when you bring a bunch of these folks together who have a shared goal for talent development, these are folks that are passionate about building folks and building their skills and helping, you know, performance improve. And you can share stories and learnings. It's just it's just amazing. And so I think that community piece of it and then just the con and then the content, right, the people that are delivering from their years of experience, their their industry expertise, and they're coming to spend one-on-one -on -one time, you know, keynote time, facilitator time. Yep. It's just unmatched. And it's not for folks that are used to going to conferences and going to the regular keynotes and breakouts. Yep. You know, if you know anything about Andy, there's nothing regular. <laughs> right. there's, no, there's nothing regular. It's not something where you're going to be looking for the exit to, you know, you're so bored of the session or you're yep. more Can't interested in hanging out right. in the hallway. No, you're, this is going to be community and a learning event that, yeah. and it's in Sonoma. Come yeah. On, like, <laughs> come on, come on. Right. And it's in Sonoma. No, it's, it's too much good stuff. Too much good stuff. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I'm excited that you are coming. I'm excited that it's in Sonoma. I love everything that you said, because we are all about community yeah. and connection and creating an engaging and interactive mm -hmm. experience for people to learn from each other, as well mm -hmm. as the experienced speakers who are leading yeah. the sessions in the front of the room. Uh, yeah. It's in a great location yeah. and we are going to have a lot of fun. Obviously you're going to play so, some music as well. So oh, it's, it's going to look, look, 
If y'all don't have fun, I'm gonna have fun. Like I'm gonna, like, <laughs> you and I are gonna have fun. I'm gonna, but it, I know it's this. Be fun for everybody. Yeah, you know. I know this. Like, yeah, I know we're, this. We're, we're, we're orchestrating that. No, it's 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 gonna be a good time. I'm excited, dude. Well, Tim, this has been a good time. I appreciate you coming on to share your model on culture and meaningful work, as well as a little preview of what you're going to be doing at the Think Tank conference. I hope people will take this to heart, go get their tickets and come join us there. In the meantime, if they want to reach out to you for any reason, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, LinkedIn is my hub. That is where a lot of my communication content and interaction happens. So if if you just search for Tim, Mr. Meaningful Work Olari. I'm on there. Same handle on Instagram, just at Mr. Meaningful Work. And I think on Twitter as well, just Meaningful Work without the O. So Mr. Meaningful Work. I know you you and I are are connected on Twitter. Side note, I shouldn't say this, but thank goodness Elon Musk didn't buy LinkedIn and start going crazy (laughs) with that. (laughs) I'm glad Microsoft already already took that over. My sacred space. Yeah, that would be. We don't need that kind of buzz, that kind of craziness in the LinkedIn world. I like when people get personal and, you know, do some interesting things, different things on there. But uh, But those are like the outliers. Like that's not, that's not the norm. So yeah, we don't need to get, we don't need to get that crazy. Well, thanks again, Tim. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you in February. My pleasure, Andy. Thanks for having me. We'll see you then, man. All right. That will do it for my interview with Mr. Tim O'Leary on creating more meaningful work. I hope you got value from that conversation. Maybe took some notes on that Keeper program that Tim has developed. Again, the Keeper program was about knowing yourself, engaging your strengths, enlisting others to help you in your career, prioritizing, so knowing what's most important, and ranking up as in pursuing excellence and operating at the top of your license. Tim also gave a great preview of Things to Come, the session he is going to be running at the Talent Development Think Tank conference in February. And he has promised me that he does not need any slides. A flip chart is good enough, and it's going to be a really engaging session, as you heard him say. No lecture, no death by PowerPoint, just a lot of fun and music as well. This session and this conference is going to be like this session and this conference is going to be unlike anything else out there, especially not like those big giant conferences with tons and tons of boring sessions. This is going to be the least boring and most fun conference in talent development. I'm designing it that way and I'm really excited about it. So if you haven't gotten tickets yet, come on over to our website, check out the information, grab your tickets. The website is tdtt.us slash conference. That is tdtt.us slash conference. All right, stay tuned because our next episode will be my bonus Q&A round with Tim O'Leary. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.